second. There we go. Welcome everyone. Welcome to everybody online. Honored to be with you here today. I'm here with um, my better half, and that is my family, my wife Olivia, my daughter Nina, my son Noah, who's freaking out because he thinks I'm going to call him up here. <laughs> I got to embarrass you. Come on. I'm just jealous because he has more hair than me. You know, I look back at my high school pictures, and I had a, like a, an afro, and I, I look at him, and he's got such great hair, such like uh, golden locks. A little jealous, Noah, but it's all good. Um, I want to give a, a shout out uh, to Pastor Steve uh, for the honor of inviting uh, me to share my story. And really today is not only about sharing my story, but this is about your story. God has laid a message on my heart that I hope blesses you. And so whether you are a student or a senior or somewhere in between, if you're going through something, if you're in a time of transition or wondering from God, hey, what is the next step? in my marriage, in my business, what school am I going to go to, what high school, what college, what am I going to do in this next season, how long do I carry on my business, I want to take it to the next level, I want to break the bonds of addiction, I want change in my life that God will bless. If you're in that season today, then this message is for you. I want to talk to you today about that very thing, a season of blessing. There are certain seasons in our lives that, that God ordains. That's a fancy word for saying he, he sets aside a season where he wants to bless you. And I've often discovered that the Bible is replete with examples that just before God blesses us, what precedes the blessing is a time of adversity, a time of conflict, a time of uncertainty. And would you agree with me that we live in a day that is uncertain? that we don't know what's going to happen. I don't know about you, but I put on the news for five minutes, and i got to turn it off. You know, it's like, did the heat win? Yes. Are we still going to be around tomorrow? Yes. But I'm disappointed these days because uh, I don't know if they're going to pull it out. But here's the thing. Th there's a moment in time that, that our lives intersect with God's plan, and God touches us, and our lives will never be the same. If you'll open up your hearts, and open up your minds, today may just be that moment for you. If you feel yourself in one of these moments of not knowing what to do, lean in, because I think God's got something for you. The Bible's filled with promises that gives us an assurance that he'll bless us. I think it's about 7,000 or more promises that are in the Bible. But the promises come with a little bit of a responsibility on our part. It's not just hearing a message or worshiping God and expecting to receive. There's a responsibility that we have. And I want to talk to you today about that. And it's not, Jesus said, my burden is light. It, it's not something that's overly burdensome. It's actually something that God wants to use to, to change your life and to bless you. In the Bible, it says, Pastor Philip was talking about Moses and the promised land. Moses led God's people into the promised land. You know, they were kind of sandwiched between two miracles. We all have heard the story, haven't we? The Pharaoh and his chariots, they were chasing the Israelites. They were behind them, and they were chasing them. They chased them all the way to the Red Sea, and their backs were up against the Red Sea, and they didn't know where to go or what to do. But Moses turned around, and he... And God partnered together, and that Red Sea split, and they walked across 
on dry land. One of the greatest miracles ever recorded in the history of man. Incredible. Can you imagine being there and you see these waves? How tall they must have been, 80, 100 feet. He parts a sea. Imagine him parting the Atlantic Ocean. We get to walk right in the middle of it. And that's exactly what he did. An amazing miracle by all accounts. And I don't know if it's human nature, but we just expect God to show up and show up and show up. We don't have to do anything. But the people forgot God's goodness. It's almost as if they, they didn't even want to remember where they came from. They forgot his goodness. They rebelled against him. And they started worshiping a gold calf. I have to keep reading that every time I look at that. Like the Israelites who had just been delivered from slavery out of Egypt, they start worshiping a gold calf. And Moses had been up to the mountain for 40 days and nights. He fasted and he waited for God to do something pretty incredible. He inscribed the Ten Commandments with his fingers. Pretty amazing. He didn't write it down. It was his fingers that it was the word of God using his fingers. He inscribed those Ten Commandments. And Moses went down. He saw those people worshiping a gold calf, and he was mad. I mean, he couldn't believe it. He took those two tablets, and he smashed them in front of the people. He was so upset, and he knew God would be angry too. We're made in the image of God. God gets angry, and God was upset. And Moses was like, God, will you spare your people? Please, don't, don't, don't destroy them. They're your very own possession. He reminded God, incredible relationship that he had with God. He reminded God just how special his people were to him. And God listened. He said, all right, Moses, I'm going to give him a second chance. We're going to do this again. Let's do it again. And so once again, God inscribed the Ten Commandments. All ten of them, once again, Moses went down the mountain. But this time, he had the people's attention. They knew something was about to happen. And before I share with you what happens next, I want you to hold that thought. And I want you to see the heart of God here. How God could have said, you know what, I'm done. Like, I just delivered them. And, oh, by the way, on their way to the ocean, all the Egyptian citizens gave them their gold and their jewelry and as much as they could carry. And God didn't forget about them. God didn't discard them. He didn't say, you know what, we're going to start over like I did with Noah. We're just going to do this whole deal again. God didn't do that because they were his people. They were his family, and you don't just discard family, do you? No. Family is, is what you have. Family is what God gives you. And the Israelites were God's family. He didn't throw them away. He showed them love and grace. Condemnation is not God's way. It's love. And that's why God sent Jesus to give his life for you and for me, so that all who would ever believe. And so when Jesus came, it wasn't just for you and me, it was for those that have come before us and the hundreds of millions, I dare say billions of people who will be here long after we're gone. That's why Jesus came, to show them the love of God, to show them a love that they can experience so that when they believe and experience his love, they can inherit eternal life. What an incredible plan God had for you and I and the future of mankind. Moses was a great man. He was a savior to his people. But he was just a foreshadow of the savior of mankind. Moses' life pointed 
to Jesus. So much of the scripture. I heard a pastor say that if you read the first three chapters of Genesis, it tells you the whole story of the Bible. It tells you the story from Genesis to Revelation. God gives us clues about what he's going to do. And I believe this message today is a clue for what God wants to do in your lives, in your family's life. And I believe that's why you're here. Both Moses and Jesus did the will of God during a great time of transition. I mean, can you imagine that? It's like you spend your whole life in jail, and in the case of the Israelites, it was 400 years that they were enslaved by the Egyptians. And so all of a sudden, they're free. It's like, oh my gosh, what do I do? And so they're out. They cross the Red Sea. And now God is about to do an incredible work during this time of transition. And it's during these seasons of transition of great uncertainty that God does his greatest work. I want to share with you a little bit about our family story. In the past seven years, we have experienced a great time of transition as well. Since I was a little kid, I got saved in a church just like this, although it wasn't this nice. Probably half the number of folks. I remember a, this, this is going back, I'm dating myself, but who remembers that song, Just As I Am? Remember that song? I walked up altar just like this. I was probably nine or ten years old, gave my life to Christ. Other than my kids being born and me being married, I've never experienced a joy like that. And I've been trying to get it back ever since. And so all my life I wanted to be a lawyer. No one in my family had gone to college. They, I was the only one born here in the United States. Everyone was born in Cuba. And so I had a dream of being a lawyer. And if you would have looked at my high school transcripts, you said, bro, keep dreaming because that ain't going to happen. But it happened, and my dream was to have my own law firm, and I did that. Opened up a law firm, and we had a great boutique law practice. Served people all over the state of Florida for 20 years. And then God changed the dream on me. He, he flipped the script. I was, we were part of a great Baptist church in Broward County. It used to be called Flamingo Road Baptist Church. They changed the name to Potential Church. The pastor's still there, great friend. And Olivia and I were there for 15 years. Our kids accepted Christ there. Olivia and I used to serve. Olivia served in the kids' ministry with infants before we even had them. I mean, just an incredible place that changed our lives. I became one of several pastors. It's a big church that's had an incredible impact on South Florida and the world. And so the more time I spent at the law firm, or excuse me, the more time I spent at the church, the less time I wanted to be at the law firm. So God began to change my heart, and he called me to full-time ministry. And so we walked away from the law firm. We sold the only house our family's ever known. And we moved to a place where we didn't know a soul. That was Palm Beach County in 2017. And we did that to start a church. Say what, Frank? Lawyer, church, wait, lawyer, pastor, church. That's been the transition. Lawyer, pastor, church. And now we operate Christian preschools inside of churches. Like, wait a second, how does that happen? Because there were times of transition, and God was moving, and I expected one thing. I expected to be a lawyer my whole life with offices all over the state of Florida. That was my dream at one point. And God said, no, 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 I've got something better. I, I, I want you to be part of my house, and I want you to be a blessing to my house. Oh, so I'm going to be a pastor. Okay. doesn't pay as well, but I'll do it. I'll, I'll, I'll be a pastor. No, no, no. I, I, I want you to run preschools. I don't want you to be a blessing to one church. I want you to be a blessing to churches all over 
okay, God, we're going to do that. But that transition wasn't easy. You know, sometimes it, it was difficult for our family to move from friends, from community, from people that we, we did life with to here to Palm Beach County where we didn't know any families. But we were obedient, and we took the next step, and God honored that obedience. The lessons that I've learned is when you sense God calling you to a different assignment, you take the next step of faith, and then he shows you the next step. For me, it's never been, well, here's the vision, and this is what you're going to be doing. No, take the next step, friend, and then take the next step, and then take the next step. And I believe that if you and I will do that, we will look back on our lives, and we will have seen that it has been through our steps of faithfulness that God has used our lives to impact the world for him. So I've understood the power of trusting God through transitions. And maybe that's what you're experiencing now. Maybe as a student, you're thinking, what am I going to do? Or maybe you're looking at your grades and you're thinking, well, I can't do much. That's a lie. God does his greatest work through ordinary people like you and I. I'm a living testimony to that. What I've leaned on is his grace. And we sung the greatest grace song that's ever been written, Amazing Grace. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I've been set free. One of the lessons that I've learned through these transitions is I've learned the power of forgiveness to quickly forgive, to ask for forgiveness. A mentor of mine, a pastor here in Palm Beach County said, Frank, what I've discovered 30 years of pastoring a church is now that I've been walking with Jesus all these years, I'm quick to ask him for forgiveness. And I can tell you during times of transition, it gets stressful. And when it gets stressful, you don't always make the right choices. And you don't always respond the right way to people. And so you make mistakes. But now I'm quick to say, Lord, forgive me. But here's what I've also learned. I'm quick to ask for forgiveness. That first part, I think, is e easy for a lot of us. Lord, forgive me. The second part, not so much. Forgiving ourselves. Saying, you know what? I'm going to let go of what I did and where I've been and what I said and how I said it and who I was. I'm going to let go of the past so that I can take hold of the future. Because here's the deal. You can't hold on to the past and hold on to the future and expect to go where God has you. you got to let it go and move forward to the new season of blessing that God has for you. And that was my takeaway from the law firm journey all the way to where I am today. Back to our story. Am I going too fast for you? No? Am I going all right? God was preparing the Israelites to enter the promised land because he was preparing them for a season of blessing. And in much the same way, I believe God sent me here to proclaim to you that God is preparing you for a season of blessing so that you can enter into your own promised land. Maybe you're a dad, and it's not easy to be a parent in this generation. Maybe you're a mom or a single mom. Maybe you've got grandkids. It's, it's not easy. To, to walk with God in the midst of the culture impacting and influencing our kids and our grandkids and the things that we want for them. He's prepared a season of blessing for you and I, and he wants to bring us into that promised land. Perhaps your promised land is a prayer that you've been praying for your son or your daughter or your spouse that you know they're not where they're supposed to be. The goal isn't perfection, because, man, if the goal is perfection, I failed miserably. The goal is transformation. 
and God does that one step at a time. I'm going to share something with you I didn't share with the 9 o'clock. I accepted Jesus when I was 10 years old. My parents never went to church. I walked away from God for 25 years. It wasn't until I thought I was going to fail the bar exam because I had only studied for three weeks before the bar exam that I'm like, all right, God, you got my attention. Please help me, help me. And he was always with me. He never abandoned me. Even though I walked away for 25 years, God was always with me. And he found me, and he didn't give up on me. So it doesn't matter where you are. It's where God is taking you. It doesn't matter who you are. It's the person that God is empowering you to become. Perhaps your promised land is for direction and wisdom of what is my next season. And I can tell you, this is not about any one thing. It's about your thing. You know what's going on with your life. You know what you prayed for last night. You know that if we had a conversation and we were honest with one another and I told you what are the things that I'm struggling with and you told me what are the things that you're struggling with, that's your promised land. God wants to bless you in this season. He wants to answer your prayer. He wants to take you where you've never been before, where you cannot go on your own, but he wants to go there with you. Maybe your promised land is healing from hopelessness, a past hurt, anxiety or fear. Anxiety is something that I've wrestled with. You know, the busier I get and the more responsibility that God gives me, it's that anxiety like, am I going to make the right decision? Or I have to have this leadership discussion with somebody. And how's it going to go, God? And I've got to wrestle with that. And I've got to lay it down every day to trust Jesus that he knows where he's taking me. Maybe for you, it's a medical report that you received or a loved one received. And you don't know what to do with that. And it may not look good, but God says, I have the final say. And I'll give you peace through the pain. And I'll heal you. And I'll watch over you. And if he doesn't heal you, he won't leave you. That's a promise we can take all the way to the end. Maybe your promised land is a breakthrough in your finances for your family. You've been working hard. Some of you work two jobs or more. Some of you don't have a job. Some of you have been giving yourselves to other people's dreams all of your life. And God is saying, you know what? That dream you had when you were a teenager, that dream you had 10, 15 years ago, I want to resurrect that dream because I'm in the resurrection business. And I'm a subject matter expert when it comes to resurrection. I believe today is the day that God gives you the blueprint so that you can go into your promised land and take possession of it. There's a distinction between going into the land and having the strength to take possession of the land. It's two things. Are you guys ready? Here we go. In order to enter into and experience our season of blessing, God requires three things of you and I. Let's take a look at the first. It's found in Deuteronomy 10, verse 12. It says this, And now, Israel, what does the Lord require of you? You may say, and now, First Baptist Delray Beach, what does the Lord require of you? Why are you here this morning? God, God wants your attention because he does want something from you. I can tell you as a parent, I want something from my kids. I want them to, to listen to wisdom and guidance so that they can live their best life possible. And so God, as a heavenly father, speaks through Moses, and Moses says these words to him. He requires only that you fear the Lord your God, don't miss this, and live in a way that pleases him. And what's that word? Love. 
right? God wants us to love him and serve him with all your heart and soul. This is what Moses was saying. Remember I said he had their attention? This is the first thing out of his mouth. God's going to take you to the promised land. He just wants, he wants some things from you guys. And I think we know how the story goes. They didn't listen too good. Because none of them that heard that got to the promised land. Oh, it's just another message at First Baptist Del Rey. It's just another Sunday. It's just another day. Moses was talking to the moms and dads of this generation, and what did they do? They turned away. God said, all right, now I'm going to give it to your children. Maybe they will listen to me because it's not just another day. This is a day that the Lord has created, and this is a day of destiny. And Moses was speaking into the future about what God was going to do. In order for you and I to experience our season of blessing, we must first love God. What does that mean? What, what, what does it mean to love God? Is it enough to come to church, to pray, to give, to worship, to serve? Is that what it means to love God? Certainly people that love God do those things. Hold that thought. I can tell you what it doesn't mean to love God. It's not about what we do that defines whether or not we love God. It's not about our performance that God is interested in trying to earn his favor. For 15 years, I got married when I was 37. We joined that Baptist church, mid-30s, 34 years old. From the time I was in my mid-30s to the time I was 50 years old, when I started a church at 50, average age of planning a church is 35. Started a church at 50, from from 30 to 50, we were super plugged in in the church. The mission of the church was partnering with people to help them realize their God-given destiny. A lot of young people in the church, incredible worship, incredible mission. I gave my life to my law firm, and I gave my life to that church. And while I was out there changing the world, my wife with two babies was changing a whole lot of diapers. And I think to myself, maybe there's a little regret there if I'm being honest. Maybe I could have been home more for them, and they wouldn't have known the difference, but Olivia sure would have. And maybe I could have been a better father instead of trying to change the world. Maybe my first ministry was my family versus the church and the law firm. But I don't get stuck in the regret. I ask God, so God, what have I, what have I learned from that? What do you want me to take away from that time? I wanted to do all that I could to advance the kingdom of God but I've discovered that God is less interested in what I do and more interested in the man he is shaping me to become. Does that make sense to you? It's not about what we do, but it's about who we become. As a man thinketh, so is he. It's about who we are, not what we do. The old Frank, the difference between the Frank that thought that I could do for God and that he would be pleased with me that old frank is gone the one the man that stands before you the sinner that stands before you recognizes that it's no longer about what i do it's about the man that i'm becoming that god is most interested and by the way the goal is not perfection the goal is getting up every day doing all that i can to follow jesus 
to be the best father, husband, leader, and friend that I can. Say sorry, God, when I mess up. Forgive myself quickly when I do. Get up the next day and do it again. I think that's what God asks of us. So how do we please God? How do we do that? How do we live in a way that pleases him? We love him, right? We said that's the first thing that God asks of us. And What's love? Jesus defined it two ways. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. It's 11 o'clock on a Sunday, a little after 11 o'clock. And you know what Christians all over the world are doing right now? They're doing the same thing you are. They're in a great church. They're in Egypt. They're in Africa. They're in home churches in China. They're in home churches in the Ukraine. They're all over North America and Europe. They're in Australia. And they're worship. Well, Australia is 12 or 25 hours different. Maybe they do that tomorrow. They're, they're worshiping God. And I think as believers, as Christians, we're really good. And I say this with a high degree of confidence. I bet you if I talked to each one of you, I would get the story of how you serve your spouse, of how you serve your mom and dad. Maybe your mom and dads are older, and maybe when they were alive, you served them well. Not perfectly, but well. How you sacrifice for your family. How you sacrifice for your employees. How as a student, as a, as a young adult, you're, you're learning about the importance of, of trusting God. And hey, maybe my mom and dad had a point. And you have a vision for the future. This world is yours. And I think about how, as Christians, we do a really good job at loving our neighbor. But sometimes we struggle in loving ourselves. And God is saying, if you want to love God, then love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I think most of us get that, get that right. I think most of us, we clap for people that do well. Hey, great job, Mary. Hey, Tiffany, great job. Hey, Ben. Bill, man, you guys are rocking it. How can I help you? God bless you. We're encouragers of people. But when it comes to our own lives, sometimes we think we don't deserve it. Sometimes what God is looking for is not you loving your neighbor because you do that already well. God is looking for you to say, you know what? I forgive myself. I love myself. I believe in myself because it is those folks that can, that can love their neighbor as they love themselves, that God is interested in, in changing us to be those kind of folks. It's easy to love your neighbor, but I want to encourage you to love yourself. Whatever you did 30 years ago, the brother you haven't spoken to, the, the sharp word that you said to your parents, the one that you can't say you're sorry to anymore because they're not here with us anymore. God is saying, that's okay. I want you to forgive yourself. I want you to cleanse yourself by forgiving yourself so that we can move forward. The Apostle Paul said this, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. This one thing I do. God wants us to release the past and take hold of the future that he has for us. Number two, what does God expect from us before he leads us into the promised land? It's a word. It's obedience. God wants us to obey him. There's a blessing that comes from obedience. Here it is, Deuteronomy 11.8. Here's what it says. Therefore, be careful to obey every command I'm giving you today so that you may have, I love this, don't miss this, so that you may have the strength to go in and take over the land that you're about to enter. God wants you to love him and obey him so that he can strengthen you. And why do you and I need strength? Because here's what we know. 
in order to enter into the promised land, we're going to need strength. And why are we going to need strength? Because there will be adversity. People will come against you. People will say, you don't have what it takes. You don't have the resources. You don't have the finances. You don't have the influence. You, don't, you can't make it. So God is saying, there will be adversity, but I will be with you. You're not going to be alone. Moses didn't see it. These folks he was talking to didn't see it. Their kids saw it, and they had to overcome 31 kings. Joshua, who was Moses' successor, led the people across the Jordan into the promised land, and they needed strength, but they were ready to go. They didn't doubt. They said, we're going to do it. We're going to go for it, but we need strength. So God was strengthening the people. So as God leads you into your promised land, whatever this next season is, maybe it's retirement. Maybe it's where are we going to go, where are we going to live, how am I going to take care of my mom who's elderly. My mom is 89 years old. Excuse me. She lives right down the street in a senior living facility. I didn't know how to take care of her. She has Alzheimer's and, um, and dementia. Uh, she was married for many years to my dad. He's long since gone, and she talks to me about her boyfriend. She doesn't have a boyfriend. He's, he's such a great guy. He's handsome. She's got a very thick Cuban accent. He's a, he's, he's a very nice-looking American guy. He's got blue eyes. I love him. Are you going to come to the wedding? And I'm like, <clears throat> yeah, I'm going to come to the wedding. She's like, but she can tell me what she did as a little girl in Cuba when she was eight and nine years old with the specificity that blows me away. God, give me the strength to care for my mom who has Alzheimer's. That's a season of life that she's in. And one thing my, uh, that I so respect about my mom there's an awareness that she has. She never brings up my dad. She never brings up our past because she doesn't want to go there. She knows that in order for her to survive in this time that God has her in, she has to let go of the past. She can't live in her memories. She's got to live in the present. And that's what's kept my mom alive for 89 years is this very thing I'm talking to you about. careful to obey every command I'm giving you so that you may have the strength. God wants to bring you into the promised land, but he wants to strengthen you so that you can own it. If you've got a dream, dreaming is free. It's the hustle that costs, right? How many of you here are students? You guys got dreams? You want to make an impact. You want to be successful. You want your lives to matter. How many of you here have, are raising kids or have raised kids? How many of you here are taking care or have taken care of older parents? You know, it's, you have to have the strength for the new seasons that God brings you in. God was declaring through Moses to them that I'm about to do something new. This promised land, man, you haven't seen anything like it. And he describes the promised land, and here it is in Deuteronomy 11, 10 through 12. Pretty cool. For the, and this is what Moses is saying. For the land you're about to enter and take over, it's not like where you came from. It's not the land of Egypt <clears throat> where you were. You had to plant your seed. You had to dig ditches with your own hands. Rather, the land you will soon take over is a land of hills and valleys with plenty of rain, a land that, your Lord, that the Lord your God cares for. Don't miss this. He watches over it through each season of the year. What does that mean for you and I? That as God prepares you for this next season of life, he's already there at the end. He's already there when you graduate college. He's already there when you sell your business. He's already there when you 
achieve that breakthrough that you've been waiting for. He's already there when you meet that spouse you've been ho hoping for. He's already there through that cancer diagnosis. He's already there. God is there through each season of the year. And blessings come in seasons. And I believe this is a blessing for you and I, the season that is to come. There's no need to worry or have fear. Each season has a beginning and an end. And as I mentioned, God clearly knows how that goes. I drink a lot of coffee, and I love you all can hear my voice. Would you mind if I drank a little bit of water? Is that okay? Number three, what does God ask of us? To have faith. <coughs> Excuse me, and I want to be candid here about having faith. Maybe you haven't heard this in church before, but you're going to hear it today about faith. It takes faith to believe in a heavenly father whose voice you haven't heard. It takes faith to trust in the savior you haven't seen. It takes faith to perceive the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. In Hebrews, faith is defined this way, as the confidence, I love that word, confidence. It's not just about being confident in God, it's about being confident in yourself. It's about looking in the mirror and say, you know what God, I can do this. I can't do it alone, but I can do it. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about what we cannot see. So many of the miracles performed by Jesus as recorded in the gospel were preceded by questions that he would ask of every person that he would heal. It's incredible. I mean, these people that we've all read about, we've seen movies about, I mean, they had sicknesses. They couldn't see. They couldn't walk. They had diseases. Their children had passed away. And yet Jesus asked the question, hey, bro, what do you want me to do for you? Huh? I can't walk. I haven't been able to see since birth. You're asking me a question that's pretty obvious. Well, do you believe? Well, that depends. I love the story of the dad whose son had passed away. And Jesus asks him, do you believe that I can resurrect your son? He was so honest with Jesus. He said, Lord, I believe. But honestly, will you help me with my unbelief? That was just enough faith for Jesus to go to be by himself and to raise that child from the dead. And so if you have dreams that have died, God is saying to you, do you believe? And what do you want me to do for you? And why did Jesus often ask the obvious question when he knew by looking at the person, what they needed. Why would he ask them? Because he wanted them to speak and believe. He wanted them to say what it is that they wanted. He wanted them to proclaim, I want you to heal me. I don't want to get a divorce. I want you to resurrect my child. I want you to heal me from this sickness. Lord, I need you to help me with this specifically. The Bible says when you pray, that we, should, we should ask God for what we want. We should seek and we will find. Knock, and the door will be open. That's how Jesus taught us how to pray. It wasn't just the Lord's prayer. It was ask, asking God for what we need. And so Jesus wanted them to proclaim what it is that they need. And God is asking us in the quietness of our, of our time with him, will you tell me, daughter, what you need? Because I've been waiting for you to say it. I've been waiting for you to speak it. What do you need? You may have prayed the prayer a thousand times. I want you to pray it again, but this time, I want you to get on your knees. I want you to get in the closet, get in that space, toilet, car, ask me. 
get on your knees and ask for it. I will give you what you ask for if you believe. And for some of us, the answer to prayer is not often what we ask for. Sometimes it's greater. Sometimes it's having the strength to endure the loss of a friend or a family member. God will always give us what we need most, but he asks us to ask him and to believe, to speak and believe, to activate their faith. I love what Jesus says in Matthew 9, 29. He says this, and this is old school. He says, according to your faith, be it unto you. How many of you heard that translation? According to your faith, be it unto you. He was saying, in effect, if you have faith in me, I will restore your marriage. If you have faith in me, I will give you the strength to carry on as a, as a divorced person. I will give you the strength. I will give you the finances. I will give you the resources to raise that boy on your own. I will give you the strength to help your mom who who's been struggling to take care of me. I will give you the strength to realize your God-given destiny. I'll give you wisdom for an important decision that you have coming up. I will break the bonds of addiction that have been with you for decades. There is a season of blessing that God has for us. And some of us may be struggling with a habit or something that we've been holding on to our whole lives. And you're thinking, Frank, I, I've tried everything. I've gone to counseling, I've talked to my friends, my pastor's prayed with me. There is a season of healing that is here for you. And that's why God sent me. I haven't preached in three and a half years. Why would he send me here? Since our, closed, since our church closed, and it broke our hearts that this little church closed the week before COVID. I don't know that I'm completely healed from that, if I'm being honest with you. I used to teach every Sunday to people just like you. I used to love to encourage them, but God, we invested our whole life savings into that little church and that little church closed. But it's okay because God's still healing us as a family from that hurt. But I had to come to a place and say, God, I'm hurting. I need your help. And I just, I, I have experienced God's grace and his power and his healing in a way that I never would have had I not humbled myself to ask God for his help. <clears throat> when you ask him, have the faith to believe that God has the power through his son to transform your life. I've taught this next verse to my kids. I love it. I'm not going to call Noah up here because he's never not going to forgive me. But it's Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Jesus Christ who? Yeah. There is the strength that Moses was talking about. Moses says it thousands of years later. Paul says it. We're talking about it today. Here's the consistency of God. I'm going to bring you into your promised land, but I'm going to have to give you my strength, and that's Jesus, so that you can accomplish your God-given destiny. I hope until my last day, and I'm going to live to 156, so that's 44 years old. So i got another 44 years. Till my last day. I hope I have this in my heart. God, I can do all things through your son who gives me strength. And in that day, in that season, when we all will experience, when we pass from this life to the next, we're going to need the strength of Christ to make that journey. It won't be long. Remember the thief on a cross? 
I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. In the twinkling of an eye, but there's strength that we need to enter into our promised land. God is preparing us to enter into that place. It's a spiritual place for us. It's not just a physical place. And as I mentioned, it's not a season without challenges. But just like God encouraged Moses and Joshua, it's a place where he will be with you wherever you go. Every place the sole of your foot treads will be a place that belongs to you. Take ownership of your promised land because God is with you. God is for you. God is in you. Can we stand? I'd like to say a prayer for you. If we could just close our eyes. God, I come to you now. We come to you now. And we humble ourselves before you. And God, we say, we love you. We want to do our best to obey you. And we believe. We believe that you have the power to take us into our promised land. But God, give us the strength. So many of us are facing so many things that if our neighbor knew... They could hardly believe that we're here today in church. But it's not a surprise to you. God, whether we're a student or a senior or somewhere in between, I pray that you would meet us where we are. I pray with every head bowed and every eye closed, God, that you would bless every person listening and watching this message online. And I pray that you would bless every father, every mother, every grandparent, every friend, every sister, every brother, every cousin, God. God, bless these families. Protect these families. Give them encouragement, not just to pump up from a message, but let it create a seed inside their soil that tomorrow will be greater than yesterday, and the next day will be greater, and the next day will be greater, and that we will come to a place and look back at the end of our lives and say, I cannot believe how I got here, but for the grace of God. God, I proclaim blessing. I proclaim peace. I proclaim joy prosperity and favor in the name above all names in the name of Jesus Christ I bless you amen